0: This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 115, a look at what is new in mechanical electronics reliability in ANSYS-Sherlock 2023 R1 and a review of news and events in the world of ANSYS. Welcome to our little podcast, episode 115. I'm glad you could join us. My name is Eric Miller, and I'm one of the owners here at PDT and your host for these podcasts. I need to apologize. This is my first day back after seven days off from work that's actually nine if you include the weekends, uh, actually nine, 10, 11, 11, if you include the weekends, I went on my third Star Trek cruise with two friends and it was so much fun. I highly recommend it. If you're a Star Trek fan, um, it it is really a blast. Um, great time. Just Google Star Trek, the cruise to learn more about it. Um, I don't get paid for that, but I am spreading the word, but I have to admit, um, I don't recover from a seven-day nonstop nerdfest party like I used to, so I'm dragging a little bit and a little discombobulated, as you'll see as we go through this. Um, I did try to get one of the celebrities to do a plug for all things Ansys. Um, Yeah, no go. They wouldn't do it. But I did meet a couple of people with uh, Star Trek podcasts out there, and we will try and arrange a crossover at some point in some way or some kind. Um, so anyway, the podcast itself is doing well, uh, you know, we took that very long break and, uh, but people are still downloading episodes at about the same rate as before we took that break. In fact, episode 113, which is our return episode had uh, more than normal downloads, which is great. So please do share the word and let others know about how you, about our little show and how much you like it. Um, we are at 38,100 downloads across 114 episodes today, and I hope to get to 40,000 by mid-year. So that's a good goal to shoot for. So a little preamble here um, before we dive into the interview. Uh, we're talking with Josh about Sherlock for this episode. We've talked to him about the product before. Um, and I do have to apologize. Like I said, I was a bit befuddled and a little uh, discombobulated and um, sent one out uh, once or twice. Um, and I did talk over Josh a little bit. He was getting a little frustrated with me, but uh, um, he handled me like the pro he is and uh, delivered the information that I know you want to hear. So let's go ahead and move on to that. I want to welcome everybody to our discussion today with Josh Stout about the ANSYS mechanical reliability products for electronics. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing well, Eric. Thanks Very for good. having me on. Thank you for being with us on this nice day here in Phoenix. We're in between storms, so our cold winter is cold for us, uh, so we're enjoying the weather. So, um yeah, I mean, let's just get dive right into it. Uh, we're talking about Sherlock. We're talking about what's new in 2023 R1. So what's your favorite thing that you want people to know about right off the
1: bat? So favorite thing right off the bat for Sherlock is always going to be how Sherlock talks to other tools for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It has it has lived within the workbench environment uh, for a couple of releases now, and they keep adding new things to it. Um, but the biggest part of that for this release is more in-depth support for multi-board workflows. Uh, So a lot of times when we're working on something in Sherlock, you you bring it in one board at a time, you do some post-processing, and then you kind of assemble things after the fact. Uh, But one of the really nice things about Workbench is that you can put it all in the same platform, I guess. Uh, So much easier to keep track of things, much easier to organize Mm -hmm. them. And then What's new this time is that we can actually combine things in workbench. So it's not just organization anymore. It's actually taking two boards and two different Sherlock projects and combining them into a single model. And we can run whatever analysis we need, whether it be thermal or mechanical or vibration, Mm -hmm. and then we can split those results back up in a Sherlock post. So Sherlock then knows how to interpret each of those boards on its own with the corresponding stresses, strains, in order to do the full reliability study. So it's just becoming more and more powerful. It's very oh, good, easy, powerful, good, good, good. Yeah, you know, uh, I probably should have started with this,
0: I, some of our listeners may not know, we've talked about Sherlock a couple of times, so I didn't think about it, but maybe just very high level, let the listeners know who aren't familiar, what what is Sherlock? How is it different from ANSYS Mechanical um, as a tool for electronics reliability?
1: Uh, very, yeah, very good point. <laughs> so, When we're talking about electronics reliability there are several aspects to it one is electrical reliability which is not strictly what we're talking about today but Mm -hmm. basically doesn't work electrically Mm -hmm. and then there's thermal reliability so is it too hot is it too cold and how does it react to that and then mechanical reliability Mm -hmm. is everything around stresses and strains on a board Mm -hmm. so that can influence solder joints it can influence specific failure mechanisms of like capacitors versus resistors versus integrated circuits uh, might affect um, trace models if they're delaminating mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but a, a lot of that has to do with uh, how is the board mounted in the chassis. Um, you know, how well secured is it? How does that react to a vibration environment? So, like if it's on a truck or on a spaceship or a mm-hmm. rocket, something like mm-hmm. that, it's it's being shaken around, has stresses strains associated with that, um, or maybe it's a cell phone that we drop and the mm-hmm. PCB has a shock that goes through it. Um, so a, a mechanical shock, I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. So and this was that, a, mm-hmm, go ahead, yeah. finish up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's all under the mechanical reliability umbrella. Right. And, and and the overarching theme here is that when we talk about Sherlock, we're looking at mechanical reliability. Right, right.
0: Okay, so good.
1: Just, yep, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so just to completely wrap that up, uh-huh. Sherlock is a preprocessor and a post processor. So we give it Uh, ECAD information for PCBs, and it generates this model that we can run all of these analyses on, whether that's uh, the vibration or uh, static structural or thermal or whatever is related to mechanical. And then we take those results back into Sherlock, and Sherlock tells us is this board going to survive whatever we put it through? Okay, very good. That's the idea.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, and Ansys acquired them a couple years ago, right? It was a it was a third-party product, and and I think the integration with Icepack is a great example of how Ansys is taking when they acquire a company like this, which is very kind of a niche tool, um, and integrate it into the bigger picture of the Ansys suite, including working with like CFD tools and thermal tools and things like that. So I, I love to see this. I, I I'm always very proud of how Ansys, that when we meet with customers, it's like, cause a lot of, of our competitors will buy a company and just kind of put it on the shelf. You know, you can buy it from us now, right? And there's no value add of the of the acquisition. Um, and uh, I, I'm really pleased with how this one's going, especially so good stuff. Definitely. So, so what else uh, is new and exciting in there?
1: Yeah, so you had mentioned IcePack specifically. That is the tool that we use for uh, thermal studies especially on electronics components like PCBs pretty frequently. Uh, So that's one of the examples here that uh, that ANSYS has really improved Sherlock with. Uh, Mm -hmm. We used to be pretty limited as far as what assumptions we'd make thermally in our system. Uh, So you might say component one on the board has a temperature rise of X and component two has a temperature rise of Y. And those would basically just be, you know, uniform temperatures, really basic assumptions. Mm -hmm. And you can certainly get some you know, useful information out of that, but it's not as accurate as it could have been. Right. Uh, so one of the things that they're doing in this release, uh, 23R1, is they have added some kind of bi-directional um, communication with ice pack. Okay. So we can use Sherlock to generate the model that goes into ICEPACK, and then we can run a super detailed thermal analysis on the entire PCB and enclosure, uh, whatever we need. And then we can bring that back into Sherlock um, as a temperature map, basically
0: and this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but can I then do like thermal cycling? Uh, let's say for a ball grid array, I can just say that th- this is the high temperature, the low temperature. Go ahead and tell me what the fatigue is going to be on that.
1: Exactly. Yeah, okay. that's the whole point of bringing in temperatures. Okay. So if we have the more detailed map when we run that thermal mm-hmm. cycle um, mm-hmm. sort of fatigue analysis, then mm-hmm. we get better results from it.
0: Great, great. Yeah, so back back in the day when I actually did a simulation, that was one of the things we used to do a lot of. And it was very manual and a real pain in the butt. So I'm glad to see yeah. that we've come a long way. It's good, 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 good. Okay, good. Um, so uh, any changes to the user interface that users should be aware of?
1: i well, user interface has remained pretty consistent, stable. which I, okay. yeah, I think that's generally a good thing. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, it, do, it does what it needs to do. You know where everything is located. You know once you mm-hmm. learn it, so no major surprises there. Good. Um, I, I guess on kind of the user interface mm-hmm. side of things, uh, they have been integrating uh, more closely with some of the the answers Python uh, okay. APIs. Very good. So that's something I haven't gotten into in too much depth just yet. Um, but they added some new API connections this time around. So if your preferred user interface is more text. Uh, then you might be very interested in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're really um, they're, they're really it's really taking off. The whole Python interface, API interface is really taking off across Ansys products. Um, if you if you're a reader of our blog, you'll you'll notice that uh, Alex and some other folks have written articles on the various PyAnsys things, mostly around mechanical, but some other stuff around mechanical APDL and post-processing as well. And um, highly recommend this, this is very good news. I didn't realize they were doing Sherlock as well because I'm a huge believer in uh, scripting is the way to automation heaven. Uh, and, And especially in the electronics world, you're often doing similar analyses over and over and over again. So um it would be nice to we'll have to definitely keep our eye on that as that gets more mature. I'll I'll we'll let other people debug it the first couple of releases, but then we'll take a look at it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good, good, good. So what else?
1: Uh there's not not too much more in this mm-hmm. release. Um okay. just a couple of quick things. The the parts library continues to expand, of course. Um, as users continue to provide feedback and they ask for ANSIS to build out their own libraries, they kind of group all that together. In a Mm -hmm. release, Um, so I think the last last figure uh, that I have seen was that we're over six hundred thousand component definitions.
0: Whoa! Whoa!
1: Yeah, so it is it is substantial. It just makes it easier to use for everyone. Mm -hmm. You bring in a PCB that has some component numbers listed. You know, it's nice when you don't have to comb through every single one of them and you know input your own definitions. So that's that's definitely an improvement, but it's one of those. Small kind of subtle things. That that's that's
0: again the uh, just quickly turning these things around is is what game changer. I, I think that a lot of times when we wanted to do electric uh, mechanical reliability and electrical components in the past, it was just we don't have the time. It just took too long. Um, yep. we'll, we'll we can spin up a board and test it faster. And I don't think that's true anymore. I think that we can really do the virtual testing long before we spin a board up. So that's that's great
1: news. Yep. And that's always been, I'd say, the mm-hmm. selling point of Sherlock is mm-hmm. just being mm-hmm. able to do these things fast and efficient
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a consistent way. Yeah, it's, it's right. nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Um, okay. Well that, it seems, seems like a fairly, I'm sure there's lots of bug fixes and things like that. We don't usually talk about those um, <laughs> in right. any, any, anything else or any parting words for our listeners on, on uh, the Sherlock world. Uh,
1: so I guess, Starting words, um, there is something in the near future that I'm very much looking forward oh, to. Excellent. It's, okay. it's something that you can do right now, but it is a little bit tedious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so when we're looking at, you know, very large, complicated PCBs, we're not always interested in the entire thing, right? Maybe there's a specific pad or a specific component, or certain pieces of layers that is more interesting than stuff around it. So if you use a tool like Sherlock or I guess any other tool that's not Sherlock and you bring in your trace definitions and your vias for the entire board, it takes a lot of work to trim it down to just the region you actually care about. Um, So Sherlock is trending in the direction where it has more, I would say, sub modeling capabilities. So it Okay. It should be easier in the next release or two uh, to kind of focus in on specific areas of the board uh, where you can maintain a really high level of detail and then you have a, a coarser large model around it um, so that you do have that environmental relationship, uh, but it's not nearly as expensive to solve and mesh and, mm-hmm. and post process. So definitely, you know, Sherlock continues to improve these. They always have something coming down the pipe. It's always interesting know useful stuff I and mean, people use this tool you know, for production boards right it's it's very good at what it does uh, so they get great feedback from the field and you know everyone can make use of it
0: it's a, it's a really good point we have customers that this is part of their process now right before you release a board you have to run Absolutely. it through sherlock yeah yeah it's a really good point it's come a long way Huge long way um, well, great. I really appreciate it. Uh, always informative, and um, as mentioned, if you're if you're not super familiar, if you're working on any kind of electronics components and you're not really familiar with Sherlock or IcePack for that matter, um, do reach out and let us know how we can help you uh, get to know those tools and products a little bit better. Um, and you you may be doing things the, the a way that works perfectly fine but we may have a better way of doing it um, that you're not aware of. So uh, I, know, I know that we've run into that with a couple of customers where they've developed a fairly robust process around mechanical reliability. And then we showed them Sherlock and they're like, oh my gosh, uh, yeah, we need to change our process. So um, do reach out if you're in that boat or you think you might be. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I always appreciate talking to you. I hope you have a good rest of the week. It's Monday here in Phoenix. So have a great rest of the week and we will talk
1: soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Eric.
0: Thank you. Time. Bye-bye. I sort of sum things up with him there at the end but uh don't need to add much do reach out if you do any type of electronics and you need to work on reliability you should be looking at sherlock josh would love to jump on a call with anyone interested if you're not in our territory for ansys sales uh, we want to get more people using this tool it's it's really a powerful thing and that brings us to our commercial since our reboot we talked about ansys training and uh, I think it was 113. And then in 114, we talked about ANSYS and our PDT in general. Today, I want to focus on our ANSYS and Flowenex sales team. You do have a choice where you buy your ANSYS from and where you get your frontline support. The good news is there are really no bad options. ANSYS Direct or another channel partner, you will be taken care of, but there are better options. And we feel uh, for customers in the Southwestern United States, and that's from Texas all the way over to California, and every state in between, PADT is the superior choice. Why? Well, we have an award-winning technical support team. You've met them on this podcast. You know they know what they're talking about. They will never be short or rude or treat you like they don't don't have the time to help you. Every support call is the most important, and we take that time to answer your questions and find the solutions you need. Also, our sales team is unique in that they are not really selling. Their goal is to find where PDT can help our customers and make sure you purchase the right tools. It's about working together to solve problems, not about pushing product. So next time you have a chance to choose your Ansys partner at your next renewal with Ansys Inc, or at your next job, because you may be moving on going someplace else and they need Ansys, please consider PDT as your Ansys channel partner. You will not be disappointed. All right, let's take a look at the Ansys stock. Uh, Stock, Yes. Uh, uh, Ansys shares are up to $308.70. So nice gain there. This is the range it was last year about this time. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Still a ways to go to recover recover back up to that all-time high of 406, but it's on its way. That is a year-to-date increase of 28% versus only 5.4% for the S&P 500. So Ansys is definitely outperforming the market. Now, I'm not saying a sure thing, but... Correlation is not causation, but we did start back up the answers, the all things answers podcast and, uh, the stock price is up. I don't know. Just saying. Anyway, looking at the trailing twelve months, it was about uh, 310 a year ago. It peaked at 327 in the end of March and hit a low of 201 in October. It's now at 308, or down 0.8 percent for the year. So the S&P is down 8.5 percent over the last twelve months. So still great trend, still outperforming. Had that huge dip in there in the middle, um, and things are coming up. So let's hope this trend continues and the Ansys uh, stock price keeps going up. So the big news to talk about on the ANSYS news side of things is that ANSYS did hold their meeting. They did release their Q4 financials and their 2022 complete financials. So highlights here. For the quarter first, they had $694 million in revenue in Q4. Um, they had a 37.5% profit margin for $258 million in profit. Um and they had uh, 118 or $818 um, million dollars in annual contract value booked. So um, that's really, really good news. That's strong, forward-looking revenue coming. The, comporter, uh, the quarter compared to Q4 of 2021, so 2021 compared to 2022 for the fourth quarter, was up 6% in revenue and a big jump in profit. So they obviously sold some stuff with a higher profit margin in there. For the year... They finally did it. They crossed $2 billion in revenue. So it's definitely something we're celebrating. Uh, It's a a fantastic goal to meet. It's just a number, but $2 billion is a lot of money. Um, And so we're really pleased to play a very small role in that. Um, And uh, hopefully uh, others of you listening helped with that as well. So $2 billion, yay! Um, That was on a uh, $523 million in profit, which is a 28.7% profit margin. Um, And they also booked around $2 billion in annual contract value, so that's good. So revenue is up 8% and profit up is 15% year to year. So that big profit jump is really a positive thing to see. More profit means more money to acquire other companies to invest in R&D engineers. So on the balance sheet for December thirty first, twenty 2021, uh, it's always good to look at the balance sheet. Cash was down from six hundred sixty eight million to six hundred fifteen million, so they're paying off some of that debt, and they're also they also acquired some companies as we talked about in the podcast. So that always takes the cash out a little bit, but it's still strong cash. Uh, accounts receivable was up to seven hundred sixty million from six forty five million, so that's good a h- extra hundred million dollars in accounts receivable for the year, and the long term debt didn't really change. It was seven fifty four million. Um, in two thousand twenty-one, and it's still with a few hundred thousand dollars difference. Uh, seven hundred fifty-four million in twenty twenty-two. So good there. No, no big increase in debt there. Another important thing to look at is R and D spend. They do report how much they spent on R and D, and you can do the math yourself. So uh, it was four hundred thirty-four million dollars in twenty twenty-two, which was up from four hundred five in twenty twenty-one. So always like to see that number go up. That's better tools and products for us, and um, that's twenty-one point five percent of revenue. That's a that's a sizable amount of the of the cash the company makes, uh, brings in the door is spent on that. So it's, it's good to know, right? If they wanted their profit to go up, they could just cut R&D, right, for the quarter and uh, make that number go up, but they're not. They're investing more in R&D because they learned over the long run, that's where the money comes from uh, because people like you and me buy more stuff. Um, as much as I want to take the return of this podcast as credit for this stock growth, I suspect that these numbers we've been going over, especially the increase in profit, are the real reason why it's going up. Um, if you want to dig into the numbers yourself, um, definitely go to ansys.com slash news center. It's ansys.com slash news center. And um, you can find the press releases there, including the press release for this. And click in there and you'll find all sorts of stuff. Also, if you go on the investor page, you'll find even more information and even a recording of what Ajay and others had to say in the investor call. So if you're interested in that, do check that out. A lot of information there. The other bit of ANSYS news worth sharing is uh, for those of you who are professors doing undergraduate programs out there, um, ANSYS has a grant program. They have $250,000 they set aside for the year um, to give in 10 25K grants to undergraduate programs that are redoing their curriculum. So it's money to pay for things to help redo the curriculum, to integrate more simulation, of course, ANSYS-based simulation into the curriculum. So if you want to do more digital twin, do more simulation, do more uh, stuff with ANSYS products, and you're looking for a way to pay for it, uh, ANSYS would like to help you get there. So um, do check that out. Uh, there's a press release, same place. Um, the, the first set of proposals are due March 31st, so don't put that off, get out there and read that. Learn a little bit more, see if it's a good fit for your university, good stuff. Then PADT news, we don't really have any new news, so I'll skip that and go right on to the Ansys blog. Um, so, the first, um, for those of you that knew the podcast or forgot after we were gone for so long, I usually pick three blog posts since the last PADT uh, All Things Ansys uh, podcast um, that I think are worth reading. Uh, there's plenty more there if you go to the blog.ansys.com. But um, here's the ones that I think are worth checking out. The first is the Ansys Microsoft Digital Twin Initiative, reaches across the cloud to the edge. So, um, you know, this is really a deep topic worth discussing maybe at some point. Um, you know, everybody thought that using Internet of Things, we would get data, we'd upload the data to the cloud, we'd do all the computing up there, you'd run ANSYS in the background for digital twin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the fact of the matter is yeah, you, we can get compute power, power there right on the edge, right there at the device, um, and do these simulations right there. So this article is about doing that with uh with Ansys and Microsoft together, the digital initiative to get more edge computing going. So check that out if you're into that sort of thing. Really great article called Turning Recycling, the next one, Turning Recycling Waste into Automotive Components Using Simulation. So there's a couple steps to this. They basically are saying, hey, you got all this leftover uh, polymer, but the problem is that, and you want to use it for something. So in this article, they're going to use it for a a crash uh, absorption, item for a vehicle, right? So uh, basically a bumper, right? So the big problem is that you don't have the consistency of material properties, right? You've got you've got all this waste material and how you process it, how it was used, where it came from. It's all variable. So you you get a big variability in your material properties. So step one, use Granta to understand that variability, understand which of the different uh, recyclable materials you've got in your inventory you should use to combine. So you can use the Granta tool to kind of uh, design and then understand your material properties. Then, um, once you've got that range of properties, you can use uh, basic tools, but different tools to see how that variability material works for you. Um, and they use OptiSLang to do that. It's a pretty good example of using OptiSLang to set up a bunch of simulations. So look at this variability. And then they take a look at, uh, doing crashes with LS So again, this doesn't have to be a simple analysis. It can be a a full, you know, nonlinear, uh, explicit dynamics, uh, uh, simulation. So they did a crash with LS looked at the energy absorption. I think that was what they were trying to optimize on and, and figuring out, uh, how to change the design so they could use the recycled materials to make this bumper. So great example. Um, very, very cool. Um, that's my favorite one of all these. And then the last one is kind of neat and, and kind of a personal one for me because I find drawing drones... This, this quadcopter drone, super annoying. They, they, their size is such that the noise they give off, the acoustics they give off is a wavelength that is pretty annoying. In fact, it's what they consider, with, When I, by reading this article I learned, they consider ear ringing range. So it makes your ears ring. So they did a simulation using uh, CFD and the ANSYS sound module to not just calculate what the noise of a, of a quadcopter is going to be with all the interference and the passing frequencies and all that stuff but also what it actually sounds like. So put it through a speaker and is it annoying? And then change the design to see if you can get rid of that ear ringing sound. So a great application. Yours may be slightly different, but if you've got an annoying noise problem, this is how you can use the Ansys suite to capture what the excitation is and then what the noise actually sounds like. So that's the Ansys blog. Let's talk about the PHP blog. Um, So the best read we've got out there is uh, uh, Pam Waterman. Our very own Pam Waterman was involved with a group of uh, women called the Girl Gang Garage. And they take, they basically do builds. They take um, old vehicles and they make them into new, cool, modern, kind of hot roddy type vehicles. And the project they've been working on for several years, and we've talked about on the podcast before, where PDT has been helping is to take an old Volvo, uh, 1960s Volvo, and the new electric Volvo, and take the powertrain from the electric one and put it into the old one and then make some cool changes to the body design. It's super slick. It's called the Maven. Iron Maven. Actually, take that back. Iron Maven. Uh, And it debuted at a big car show this year. And um, there were a lot of 3D printed parts that we helped on uh, with that. We did some scanning. We did some 3D printing. It's just a cool application. Uh, Women in in, uh, uh, the the world of automotive uh, about using advanced technology for these kind of hand builds. It's a really cool article. So do check that out. Not a lot of ANSYS stuff in there, but it's really cool. So check that out. And then on the ANSYS side, uh, Cynthia did publish a new, Cynthia De La Rosa, who's been on this podcast, did do a great uh, um, blog article called Access Powerful Non-Sequential Ray Tracing in ANSYS ZMAX Optical, Optic Studio 2023 R1. So this is a, a capability, non-sequential ray tracing is an advanced capability, it was only ava- available with more advanced licensing. With the integration with ANSYS and uh, new licensing schemes, it's 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 available to almost everybody now, so you can get to it without having an advanced package. Do check that out. It's really important if you're doing optics. Upcoming events-wise, let's go ahead and bring up the PADT events page um, and see what we have on the agenda. So uh, coming up probably after this podcast, uh, before this podcast goes out uh, on Wednesday, March 8th, today is the 6th. Our Flonex team is doing a competitive advantage of 1D, 3D coupled simulation. So how to use basically ANSYS Fluent or ANSYS CFX with Flonex to get a competitive advantage. Where to use the 1D part that's Flonex and when to use the 3D part, which is the ANSYS, to get a better solution faster. Really useful. Definitely check that out. You don't have to listen to any of these live. They're all recorded. They're all being saved um, over um, on our on our platform for such things, which the name of which in my befuddled state is escaping me. It's called BrightTalk. So go to brighttalk.com. Look up P-A-D-T. You can see all of our uh, webinars there. You can watch them live or you can watch them recorded. Then on March 15th, we're going to do a 3D design updates in ANSYS 2023 R1. So we're going to talk about all the 3D design tools. And then we've got a 3D printing uh, webinar on the 22nd, which is the optimized jigs and fixtures with additive. So that's a pretty cool one for that group of people. And then if you are local here in Arizona, we will be at the Arizona MedTech conference on the 22nd. The Arizona Biopreneur Conference on the 24th, we're a sponsor for both of those. And then just to let you know, in case you're planning, because you should have your hotel, if you don't, you're going to be living out in the boonies, the 38th Space Symposium is coming up in mid-April, and we will be in the Arizona booth again. We hope to see more ANSYS users at that like we did last year. So that's a great event, one of my favorite of the year. So that is upcoming events and that's our podcast. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to join us. Hopefully you found it, uh, information, uh, informative, and, uh, hopefully I will be thinking straighter when we talk again in a month. So, um, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's going on with PADT at www.pattinc.com slash opt in do spread the word. Do subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcasting tool you do, and don't ever hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Ansys podcast, episode 115. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Ansys, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employer. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.